Hello, 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 and welcome back to A Sword of Homecoming podcast. My name is Meg Bufton, and I am your host and author and subject, and today I had the privilege and honor of interviewing Tara Kemp. She is the founder of the Reconnect Collective and the Reconnect Academy, and she is a mental health advocate and health work provider, and she's doing her PhD on the connection between veganism and eating disorders and veganism possibly helping in eating disorder recovery. So she's on the cutting edge of that research and she's just been such a delight to get to know a little bit. Her story is amazing. And uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Thanks so much. And here is Tara Kemp and myself. Enjoy. Okay. Hi, Tara. Hey, thanks for having me, Megan. Oh my gosh, I am so honored to have you as my first guest on the Sort of Homecoming podcast. I um, I have been dreaming about this since last August when you um, held space for me. We, we met briefly over the phone and ha- I felt a real connection and you encouraged me to pursue this dream of a podcast and here we are. So I am unbelievably grateful. You were a hundred percent the catalyst of me having the courage to do this. So thank you. Oh, of course. I'm so grateful that you decided to do that and went forward with it. It's an honor. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so anyway, um, I would love to just dial it back and hear a little bit about your background, where you're from, if you have siblings, were you raised in a traditional home, um, that kind of thing to give us kind of a background on you. Sure, yeah. So I uh, grew up in a small town um, outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I'm from the East Coast originally. And I have one sister. She's two years younger than me. And we are super, super close. Um, We always have been. And I guess we were probably made even closer by the fact that we lived on basically I mean, you know, it was 14 acres of land, and we didn't have any neighbors, and so it was just the two of us running around and, um, you know, being being one another's playmates, so, um, you know, and we've stayed close, and I'd say in the past five years or so, gotten even closer, and um, she's definitely, you know, the person who knows me best on this planet, and, um, you know, it's, it's a really special relationship, so I'm really grateful for her. And then, um, yeah, you know, my, my parents are really wonderful as well. And we grew up, um, I'd say, a, a mostly traditional home. My parents definitely, um, there were, you know, certain things that made us slightly different than a lot of my friends. Um, part of that is that my parents are, you know, really active and health conscious. You know, I grew up eating, like, tofu and beans and things like that that a lot of people didn't. Um, and, you know, we were always going on hikes and bike rides and skiing and fun things like that. So I really credit my parents to um, really, you know, providing the space for me to develop so many of those interests that I still hold today. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, we were we were a really close family growing up and still are. And I'm, I'm super grateful for that. Amazing. So so were you raised on a farm or just a bunch of land? No, just a lot of land. I mean, my parents have a big garden, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a a farm status. It was more so, um, you know, just a lot of, yeah, like you said, a lot of extra land, a lot of woods, um, things like that. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm from, uh, New York actually. So I'm, I'm an East coaster as well. 
Uh, not a lot of land, <laughs> but definitely an <laughs> East Coast vibe. Um, and so, did you eat meat growing up, or? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I ate meat growing up. That was, you know, like I said, you know, we, my parents were the type of parents that like had like, you know, hummus and um, tofu in the house, but also, yeah, we ate meat at basically every meal. Um, that was not something that, you know, the perspective of bringing a plant-based diet into my life didn't come until I was out of the house. Um, and yeah, so we, we ate the standard American diet, I would say. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you had standard American diet, but a little bit elevated if they knew what hummus was. I mean, I was raised <laughs> on like, Twinkies and Ding Dongs, so it's like... Totally, totally. Yeah, my parents were definitely like, we didn't have um, like sugary cereals. If, they, if cereals had like marshmallows or chocolate, we, we didn't have those. Right. Um, you know, we ate like, you know, Honey Nut Cheerios and things like that. So it was, yeah, like you said, it was, you know, standard plus updated, I guess I'd say. Um, we ate um, how, what was it? It was like potato bread. We didn't want to have white bread. So they right. had whole wheat bread for my parents. But then there was this like potato bread that was kind of soft for kids, but not, um, you know, like your super processed bleached flour that's in white bread. So anyways, like you said, you know, um, it definitely was more mindful eating than, um, a lot of the houses of my friends. Definitely way more elevated than my house. We were Wonder Bed and uh, Skippy Peanut Butter. So, mm -hmm. yeah, and that was my, I'm one of seven kids, and my mom is usually feeding more than just the seven of us. So, I think that it was just practical as well. I mean, um, and I think that if she did know more, she would have, I mean, I think she, she was working with very limited information, and she thought she was doing the best for us. Um, and I, I truly believe that. So, Anyway, it's just interesting to think how, you know, food has evolved and, re I mean, recognizing that I was raised on chemicals more than food is is a, a weird reality. But anyway, so that's very cool. And so growing up, would you say that there was um, a memory or an experience around food that's like really sticks out in your brain? Um, I know that I've, I've heard you uh, speak about... Um, your your eating disorder and kind of the evolution that there there wasn't like one one thing but there was a shift can you kind of talk to me about how you evolved from this uh, elevated standard american diet and then what was going on with you emotionally because um i think I, I i i know that for me it really isn't about the food um it, that the food is just a mechanism um for um for the things to manifest and yeah so if you could just dive into that and tell kind of tell us a little bit about how your your disordered eating or eating disordered evolved out of your your standard kind of really it seems like a happy life with 14 acres and a beautiful sister and <laughs> loving parents so do you, do you have yeah. any can you glean into that yeah so you know eating disorders affect everyone and <laughs> there's no particular size or lifestyle or, you know, home environment that makes, that is entirely protective against an eating disorder. So yeah, you know, I had lots of things going for me and I'm human. And so, um, yeah, you know, when I was, um, an early teen around that 13, 14 age, um, I had been a gymnast when I was younger. Um, and typically when I say that, most people think this story is going to go down the road of, you know, I was always scored and judged for things and you had to have a certain body type and all of that. And that's actually not where this was going. I mean, that was definitely 
you know, part of that experience, but wasn't a huge um, influence on me. I really felt um, good in my body and um, really enjoyed the entire experience of, of performing and putting on a show and working to, you know, build new skills and all of that was really positive for me. Um, but the part that, that wasn't is that I have a very highly active brain, someone call overactive, um, and anxiety was a regular part of my life and I didn't know it back then, but having since, um, learned much more about, um, anxiety and hypersensitivity and things like that, looking back, that's, you know, what I was experiencing as a child. And so, you know, if my brain with that kind of like obsessive thinking style, um, would get caught in something that wasn't supporting me, um, I didn't know how to stop that, that thought pattern and that spiral. So in gymnastics, I had numerous time points where I would suddenly be very afraid to do a skill that I had always been able to do that I had done for years and years. Um, and that just got to a point where, you know, it just was building and building and building. And I was sitting in school, afraid to go to the gym to have practice that night because I was afraid of, you know, not being able to do things. And, um, it was, it got to the point where I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it anymore. Um, and so I ended up leaving gymnastics and so that's where this story starts for me is that I started doing gymnastics before I was age three. So for the majority of my, for like the, you know, my entire life to my memory at that point, I had been a gymnast and that was kind of my identity is this is what I do. This is who I am. This is who my friends are. Right. Um, you know, I had, I had good friends at school, but the people that I was, you know, forming deeper relationships with and spending all of my time with on the weekends, that was my team. Yeah. And, you know, it really was, you know, my life to, to a large extent. Um, it, it was my everything. And so to quit gymnastics, I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't, you know, I, I lost my friends. And when I say that, it's not like they abandoned me, but, you know, the gym that I went to was over 30 minutes from my house and all of those teammates went to different schools and um my life felt very isolated and confusing all of a sudden and also shameful because I felt like I quote should have been able to keep doing those skills right. and keep pursuing that sport and I just couldn't and so in the midst of all of that is when I developed the eating disorder which now knowing everything that I do and having studied eating disorders pretty extensively you know, it makes sense. I, I had, you know, there was a lot of chaos and uncertainty and questioning my identity and um, food became a way for me to have control and it became a way for me to feel safe and secure having that control there. And it was something that I could control when the world around me and especially my mind internally felt very messy and confusing and chaotic. And so that's where that started for me. Wow. Thank you so much. That that was incredible, very vulnerable. And I so appreciate the story because, um, I, I mean, I, I was an athlete. Too. It just resonates so profoundly with me. And the fact that it's not about the food and it wasn't about your body. It was about control and the hypersensitivity. And the, it, it sounds like you're a real intuitive and probably an empath. And all of that energy was stuff that 
I certainly as a child didn't know, and I still don't know. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out my how to keep my emotions to my emotions and not take on other people's emotions and not be overwhelmed by situations. So, yeah, I really, really appreciate that. Um, and how old were you when this was um, happening? You said you started gymnastics when you were three and it was your life for well into, it was it middle school or high school? Yeah, it was around the ages of 13 and 14 wow. that this really started to happen. Yep, make, makes, yeah, makes perfect sense. And that's when all your, who knows who they are when they're 13? I mean, I have, right. a, yeah, I, mean, I have a 13-year-old son and a 14, uh, sorry, 15-year-old daughter. And, oh, my gosh, I mean, I thought it was rough growing up when I was growing up. It's a whole different beast today. I mean, totally. with uh yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful that phones didn't exist when I was growing up because, yeah, it's just, it's a lot, the pressure that's on these kids and the idea of identity is just, incre it's just an incredibly vacuous thing at this point. Um, so, yeah, thank you for that. And and so, we're, how long did you, I mean, how long did it take for you to get help? Was help recognized? Like, what was your path like? For that. Yeah, well, you know, for me, it was a very winding path, and it was a many, many year process. Yeah. Um, I never was in any sort of treatment facility. Um, I saw numerous specialists. I saw different physicians and dietitians and things like that, but right. um, was never in a treatment center, never in a treatment facility. Um, and I think that you know was due to multiple reasons. Um, I was in denial that there was any problem, and even when I did know there was a problem, I felt an extreme need to hide it. Right. Um, I felt very shameful around it, and, um, you know, I think that my my parents, um, they, they did their best. They did everything they could, and they didn't fully understand what was happening for me either, and so they didn't quite know what I needed, and I didn't know what I needed, and it was just kind of a, a really confusing time where... Um, at least in my home life, we knew there was something wrong. Um, I think that it went blind to a lot of the external world, a lot of, you know, friends, teachers, whatever. Um, but, but in my home life, it was very apparent and, and we did what we could. And, um, so yeah, you know, I got some quote help, but it wasn't very helpful. Right. Um, you know, eating disorders are just widely misunderstood and, um, so true. And even when they are, and even when they are, you know, even if I was to have been admitted to a traditional treatment center, I don't think it would have been the right space for me anyways. And I think that my parents knew that and that was part of that decision. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it, it was a complicated situation and it was a lot of um, periods where things would be fine and then I would fall back into things again, different like restrictive uh modalities and then I would you know feel better and feel empowered and feel like okay I'm gonna get this and I'm gonna you know make sure that I'm doing all these things correctly and then I would fall back into it and it was kind of this up and down process for numerous years so I'd say throughout high school I was kind of weaving back and forth in that space um by the time I was in college I was pretty stable in terms of I felt very um I, I knew I was very self-aware and I knew that I didn't want to fall back into any of those old behaviors. And I was really on top of making sure that I was, um, you know, eating regularly and eating a variety of things and et cetera. But then in the summer between my freshman and sophomore years of school, so when I was 19, 
I came across the idea of a vegan diet for the first time in a way that was, um, I guess, I had I had never really seen it as a viable option for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, just from you know, I I saw it as this kind of like radical political uh, thing that like people. I don't even know. I just thought it was this like really foreign thing that like I would never even try because that's not who I am kind of thing. Right. Um, and, but I, you know, it's, it's funny how it happened, but you know, my sister and I would watch this show cupcake wars and there was like, you know, this <laughs> vegan chef who won. And it just kind of felt like there was like all these ideas of veganism being normalized in my mind. That was one that I remember in particular, but I also, the, the biggest piece honestly um, was that I read the book born to run and in it, Scott Jurek is profiled. He's a vegan ultra runner. And he's, you know, at that time was basically the best of the best. Oh, yes. Um, in the United States. And, and they were also talking about this uh, tribe of indigenous people who were living in the Copper Canyons who were basically subsisting on a plant-based diet as well. And they were running an average of like 60 miles a day. Yes. And, <laughs> and so reading about that really flipped my mind because I, you know, have have basically since I quit gymnastics been a runner so as a runner that was huge to me to see that someone could not only make it work but also thrive and be incredibly successful and and have an edge on the competition to to um, support their body through a plant-based diet and so that kind of got all the wheels turning and like I said there were a number of things that the idea of veganism as being plausible for you know just kind of a quote it it was like quote normalized in my mind that summer and I also had a friend that went vegetarian um and she was talking to me about you know the ethical side of you know feeling so good about not eating animals and you know how helpful it was for the environment and so that was definitely an influence on me as well and all that kind of just coalesced to put me in a place where I was like I feel excited to try this it made food feel exciting to me for the first time in years and years and years because for so long food had been this thing that was suddenly um just heavy and negative for me you know it was something that I was constantly having to think so much about that I felt like everyone was judging the way that I was eating and watching the way that I was eating and I felt like I had to prove something to people by eating a certain way and that I needed it just felt like this man just like this stressful heavy thing and so to feel excited and to feel like there was so much more meaning and purpose behind food choices totally really good to me and so I decided to try it I just cold turkey went for it and um basically never looked back like it only improved and my connection to it deepened and you know it just built more meaning in my life and and brought me so much and it became something that really helped me to feel like I said you know to to heal that relationship with it that's amazing so when you were 19 what what year was that about I, I'm sorry I don't actually know how old you are <laughs> yeah so that was like 2011 okay so yeah born to run and Scott Jurek were are I mean absolutely paramount in my life as well I'm I'm a runner also and, you know, when I started doing a deep dive into nutrition, I didn't, it didn't stick, you know, I did, I was v- vegetarian for 13 years. And then when I got pregnant with my daughter, I 
she just wanted hamburgers. It was the most insane thing. Um, we were living in Colorado. We would go up to, I mean, Arizona and go to Jerome for these hamburgers. But then after she came out of my belly, I didn't eat them again. Like it was just a really weird. And, but, but when I was, um, looking into becoming, having my family go vegan, um, and I really needed the science behind it because I didn't want people to say like, oh my gosh, Meg's doing another form of restriction, you know, cause I have a 35 year relationship, like bad relationship, mal formed relationship with food. And so I just knew I have these six brothers and sisters, everybody's going to give me such a hard time. So I really need to have science on my side and um, so yeah, I did the E Cornell course and I like really did a dive deep into deep dive into athletes that, um, are, you know, thank God the game changers came out like a year later or, or year and a half later. So I was like, see guys, you know, <laughs> I've got science on my side, but, um, what I was not expecting, um, when I went vegan was the my eating disorder, I thought I was just going to have my, my disordered thinking, disordered eating, um, forever. And I, I thought that this would just be another thing that I had to manage. And much to my delight, I did receive that kind of excitement and that freedom around food for the first time in my entire life. I mean, I'm talking like, I don't, re I didn't remember ever feeling any excitement around food. It was always a chore. It was always something I was being judged about. Um, it was something I had to do to, to live. Basically, I never, I mean, people say they eat to live or live to eat. I, you know, I absolutely never, there wasn't a food that I loved that people, you know, mm. people, you know, so it's like, so this, this whole, um, it completely changed my mind, my mindset and the, the prison that I lived in around food and the, the sorrow that was around food. And, you know, I, I thought that the more I did it and the more that I became, more aware of the animal cruelty and not ingesting the cruelty. And it just became this whole evolution that I never, ever, ever expected. And it was just incredible. So it does sound to me like you came from it from an, an athlete perspective and you found it liberating in many different ways as well. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you, so that kind of is a great segue into, um, reconnect collective and reconnect academy um and or or actually i'll back up a little bit you had mentioned to me um that or to everybody on your ig stories that you were doing your phd on veganism and um, eating disorder recovery um mm -hmm. can you and i think that's really what prompted me to reach out to you because i was like oh my gosh this exists it's not just i'm not just a an, a factor of one <laughs> you know uh, so <laughs> could you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, historically in the eating disorder space, a vegan diet has been seen as a manifestation of an eating disorder, especially for someone who has an eating disorder history or an active eating disorder. And so it was seen as this kind of, quote, socially acceptable way of incorporating restriction into one's dietary lifestyle. And that's that's basically the, the lens through which veganism was viewed. So in recovery programs, um, you know, a vegetarian diet is, is people are, are very skeptical of it. And um, it's, it's difficult to um, be able to eat a vegetarian diet. There are programs that are starting to make it more 
available, but it's definitely something that there is a lot of caution around. Someone right. eating a vegetarian diet while in recovery. And so a vegan diet is basically unheard of. Um, prior to about, I'd say, two years ago now, um, there have been a few programs. Uh, there was one in particular, the All Sauna um, right. Eating Disorder Recovery Program, and they have five different locations. They were the first to really kind of spearhead that and say, we're going to allow people to eat a vegan diet while they're in recovery. Um, you know, obviously they take they take a lot of care around that and they monitor people. And if they need to remove them from the vegan diet because it is, you know, a an iteration of the eating disorder, they do. But right. they, they allow people to go through that process. And Such that's, a neat that's so place. Important. Yeah. And so there have been a couple of other programs since then that have been kind of trialing programs that are similar to that. Um, but yeah, when I first started my PhD program, it was virtually non-existent. Um, and so if someone knew that they were struggling with with food and wanted to eat continue eating a plant-based diet a vegan diet while in recovery and you know kind of keeping that that system for them that was coming from a place of moral value of ethical value of um you know strong meaning to them tied to their personal values it wasn't allowed and so that deterred a lot of people from seeking care um, and I also, you know, through through my experience and through the experience of other women that I have known or coached, um, interviewed in different capacities, um, even if one, let's say someone was going through recovery, very often some of the, the practices that are used in standard medical model recovery um, can even further disconnect you from your body and from your values around food. And... And that's coming from a really um, a place of care and, and it's coming from a place of wanting to help people to um, heal the, the symptomology of their disordered eating. But, um, you know, there were times where that would actually, it, it wouldn't ever get to the root cause and it wouldn't help people to develop um, a long-standing relationship with food that was going to be sustainable in a healthy way long-term. Right. So knowing all of this, when I went into my PhD program, um, I knew that I wanted to study this and to build the this, the literature behind veganism and plant or veganism and eating disorder recovery because as of right now we really don't have enough information to make any conclusions. Um, while there is historical literature from you know the past few decades that connects vegetarianism to eating disorders, meaning that um, there's a correlation between higher rates of vegetarianism in people who are experiencing eating disorders or have a history of eating disorders. Okay. At the same time, when we there have been a couple of recent studies, there are four or five more recent studies that have since shown that when we separate vegetarianism into, you know, semi-vegetarianism, full vegetarianism, lacto-ovo-vegetarianism, veganism, when we separate that out, we actually find that semi-vegetarianism has the highest rates of disordered eating symptomology and veganism has the lowest. Wow. And um, veganism in two studies actually has um, better, like people who were, who identified as vegan actually had um, a better relationship with food in terms of eating disorder scales than omnivores. Um, and, and so what we're finding is that the motivation behind the dietary pattern is the most important piece when it comes to right. looking at how you're eating and how that supports your relationship with food from a health standpoint. Um, so it's not so much, 
are you vegan, but more so why? Yeah. Why are you vegan? Is yeah. it from an aspect of, you know, I want to lose weight, I want to eat low-calorie foods, I want to restrict my intake, or is it coming from a place of, you know, I really care about the environment and I want to take a political stance and I want to influence the the food market and, and buy, you know, make choices that are in alignment with my values and I care about um, taking taking money away from factory farming and, you know, eating in a way that supports my ethical values and not eating animals, whatever it is for that person, um, you know, that that is the most important piece is that it's coming from a place of personal value and that it has strong meaning yeah. for that person. Because that is really healing, and we actually, you know, there's emerging literature as well um, showing that, yes, the medical model is important, and the medical model basically says, um, you know, here are the symptoms of this condition. How can we reduce or eliminate the symptoms? Whereas the recovery model says, what truly facilitates long-term sustained health, not just what removes the disease? So the recovery model shows that long-term sustained mental health and um, including in one's relationship with food, it's coming from that place of having a positive self-identity, having a sense of meaning and purpose, especially having connection, connection to oneself, connection to, like I said, meaning, purpose in their life, connection to others, and connection to something greater, feeling that spiritual connection to something, being part of something bigger than ourselves. And so all of that is what truly facilitates long-term mental and emotional well-being including in the space of food and so knowing that it makes sense that a vegan diet can help to facilitate that and that's not to say that it's for everyone that's not to say that a vegan diet is the cure for eating disorders by any means but that it can be a huge part of that healing process if it is something that brings those different um, aspects to someone's life if it does facilitate that connection and meaning and purpose and self-identity so um, you know, that's, that's what my research is really looking at. Beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, so exciting. And you're absolutely at the absolute cutting the, the, the inception of this incredible research. And yeah, I, I, I know the medical model is important because, you know, people need to get treatment and they need, they need medical interventions, but that's like, for me, I see that as the band aid. you know, and just getting people to a point where they're not in a medical crisis, um, I mean, I, w- I have been part of that medical model on and off for years and years, especially when I was younger. Um, and then to find a recovery model like you're speaking about now. And, you know, I was not I, I was not expecting to- relief from my eating disorder or disordered thinking around food through veganism at all. I was doing it because my mom died really young at- of cancer. I never met any of my grandparents. They all died heart disease, cancer. Um, alcoholism, just terrible things that I, you know, don't want to have and I don't want to pass on, you know, and I, once I heard Dr. Greger say, you know, genetics load the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. It was this huge light bulb for me. And I, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to go down any of those roads. Um, Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, it had nothing to do with food for me. It was like, I want to, I have children and I want to be around for them. You know, I miss my mom every day and I, I'm, I'm sad that, I think that things could have been done way differently if we had the, the knowledge. Um, so that was what brought me to it. And then as, as to my absolute surprise and delight, as I got on with being vegan um, or whole food plant-based specifically, 
um, I just realized that my, my brain was changing and my relationship with food was changing. And it was like, I, I wasn't counting and measuring everything in my head. I wasn't, um, you know, I didn't, I was full, but I didn't feel disgusting. You know, like all these things that had been a part of my life forever were just melting away. And I was like, this is an absolute miracle. This is, I mean, this is, this is abs divine, you know, what's happening. I never thought I would have any freedom around food at all. I mean, I really did think that it was just my life, you know, and that I was going to, um, you know, live in this quasi, as you put it in a, um, I think the Outway podcast, quasi recovered state where, you know, I, I was high functioning and I didn't let it ruin my life and I could still go to rest or, you know, I mean, it was, but it was always there in my head, you know, always, okay. always, um, always present, you know, and I, I think that the, that when I realized that it was the taking the animal products and their secretions out of my life, that was changing my, my brain and my body. I wanted to, you know, figure out a way how to share that because I had no idea. I mean, if someone had, had told me 15, 20 years ago, but I was, I was a vegetarian and it was just a reform of form of restriction for me. So it was not, you know, I wasn't doing it. My why, my reason was because I wanted to be skinny and it didn't work. You know, it didn't have, I didn't have that reprieve of my mental, but the squirrel cage, you know, but when I actually, when my why was true and my reasons were true, then it all fell into place for me. Right. Yeah. So I, 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 I resonate so much with what you said, cause it's like my life, you know, it's really <laughs> amazing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's all about the intention. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Wow. It's incredible. I'm so excited to see where your research goes. Um, I'm just, I'm totally fascinated and I'm really excited to, at the idea that this lifestyle can actually, you know, if people want it, if it resonates with who they are, if it, their intentions line up, that it can really save their life, you know, I mean. Right, totally. And, and, you know, from a research standpoint, I do want to say that we don't have the research to definitively say that yet. We have things that point toward that being likely true and anecdotally we have evidence saying that that is true but um you know we haven't done enough research to really point at exactly what are the mechanisms that make that true or not true and so um that's what i'm hoping to start building um that's you know the you know what i'm doing in my research it but it will take you know we're we're years out from really having as much research as we need on this topic it's it's so wildly um on, like just not studied you know there's there's just awesome. so many gaps in in this space so incredible you're such an, a pioneer it's just beautiful I'm so excited for you um mm, I know I've taken you. up a lot of your time I did want to ask you if you have a minute or two more about your um reconnect collective and reconnect academy if you would mind just telling us a little bit about that sure absolutely thank you so reconnect collective is an enterprise that I built over the past couple of years and officially, you know, launched last year. And it basically is a space to help people to overcome these struggles that are facing that so many women, but humans in general are facing, especially around food and body, which ultimately is a disconnection from the self. As we've talked about, you know, it all comes back to that connection that you have with yourself, with the things that are meaningful to you, um, with, 
you know, being connected to the world around you. And so that's what I do is I help people use food and body struggles as a doorway to the inner work, which ultimately facilitates you to be more in connection with your true authentic self, with your best self, and to live as that best self. So um, I have a number of programs that help to do that. My retreats are on hold right now due to COVID-19, hopefully um, in the next year, I'll be bringing those back. But um, the virtual offering that I have right now is Reconnect Academy, which is a 12-week coaching program. Um, it's very intimate and also very intensive. Um, there's weekly uh, videos, multiple videos per week, multiple homework assignments per week. Um, we have two to three meetings per week on Zoom. Um, you get the, the quote large group. Like I said, it's intimate, so there's only 10 to 15 women. But um, the group experience of being in connection with other people who are going through the same journey, but you also have a small group and also one-on-one um, personal work with me involved in the program. And so you kind of, you really get support at every level. Um, and, and at the end of those 12 weeks, you have a greater understanding of connection with yourself. You understand the root causes of where your struggles with food and body originated, why you're still struggling with them, and how to overcome those things in the moments where you do come up against those struggles again. And it really gives you the tools and resources that you need to be standing in your strength, in your resilience against life challenges and um, to know who you are and to be able to stay true to that. And so that is what Reconnect Academy is. It's been amazing. Um, we have the third cohort going through right now, and that will be finishing up in uh, a next couple of weeks here. And then in um, June, I will be opening up for enrollment again for the fourth cohort. So we're just rolling here, and it's, it's the most magical. I mean, it's really hard to put into words what the experience is like to be part of this group, but um, I'm so grateful to get to do this for work. Oh, that's amazing. And so if people are interested in Reconnect Academy, do they go to your website or? Yes. Yep. Reconnectcollective.com slash academy. And there they'll learn more about what the program is, how it can help them, um, whether they're the right fit for it. And um, if they're interested, then there's a link to join the wait list because we do have a wait list for each program. Fantastic. Um, and then, of course, people can follow you on IG. Go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you. Yes, on Instagram, I'm at Tara Kemp underscore. Um, if you'd like to hear from me via email, you can send for the newsletter on my website. That's www.reconnectcollective.com. Um, and that's also where you can find the uh, Reconnect Academy information. If you're interested in my affirmation deck, um, you can get that there as well. So, oh my gosh, um, Instagram and my website are kind of the, the hubs for connecting with me. Your affirmation deck is so beautiful. Just, I, yeah, amazing, amazing. And I have to thank you for your most recent IG story with the, the jeans. And if they don't fit, get a new pair of jeans. Yes. That was just, <laughs> I can't even tell you, like, my daughter and I were watching that, and she's like, Mom, how right is she? And she, because I have like five pairs of jeans that I haven't fit in for five years. And she's like, You, right. you know, and I keep on taking them to Plato's Closet, and if they don't give me money for them, I, they're too old, I take them back. She's like, Just throw them out. <laughs> <laughs> so just, screw yeah, the 20 bucks, so Mom. <laughs> so thank I you for it. that. Oh my gosh. Well, this has just been. 
so unbelievably wonderful. Thank you so much for, for speaking with me today. I, I'm just, uh, I'm so honored and thrilled and so, so excited to see where things go for you. This is just awesome. Mm, well, thank you so much. It was an honor to talk with you. And, you know, I look forward to all that you continue to do and put out into the world as well. Thank you, Tara. Thank you so very much. You're welcome. All right. Okay. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Wow. Wasn't that just awesome? Oh my gosh. I'm so honored and privileged and delighted and just ecstatic with this conversation. And um, thank you so much, Tara, for all your honesty and vulnerability and knowledge. And you guys, this is just fantastic. So Anyway, as I always say, um, thank you so much for listening. If you are struggling with an eating disorder, there is help for you. I am here for you. Uh, reach out to me directly. Reach out to Tara. I'm sure she wouldn't mind. Um, I am at meg.buffton. Uh, yeah, just, just reach out. My email is megan, M-E-G-H-A-N, buffton, B-U-F-T-O-N at gmail.com. Alsana is an incredible research. They're doing awesome stuff there. They're expanding. I'm really working on getting an interview with someone from there. So yeah, um, keep. thank you so much for tuning in. I value your time and I'm so privileged to have your ears. Thank you and have a beautiful day. Namaste.